Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are discussing chapters 14 and 15 of The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, wherein Kaladin tries to get his bridge crew moving in the right direction, uh, more metaphorically than literally, but maybe a little bit of both. And then uh, Adolin and Dalinar and co kind of they spend the chapter just hanging out, waiting on the planes for some bridges to show up. So, yeah. I'm Data, and with me today is Jamie, Jack, and Joe. So hang on to something. Every that talk words. I swear. <laughs> okay. Taking that bit again. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. So, yeah, two more chapters. I don't know that they're super eventful chapters, but what did you guys think of, uh, of 14 and 15? Yeah, I mean, not super eventful, but I feel like I, I like I like Kaladin's chapter. I'm enjoying his turnaround and his conversation with Phil as well, I thought was was quite good. Obviously, there's something going on with, with her. I feel like it's like a great little eye of the tiger moment for him, really trying to prove something to the team so i hope that works out for him otherwise he's going to be very exhausted for a very long time trying to motivate people the the fallout after the chasm fiend as well yeah i, I still really like dalinar i like getting his perspective and and his son and his nephew and sadius and yeah there's there's a lot of drama there more than I sort of anticipated <laughs> yep. there would be. But, you know, nice little tie-in to obviously the title of the book and in the in the prologue when the king died and, and had his words written by our white assassin or assassin in white. Yeah, and, and no one really understanding that that wasn't the king that wrote that. Pretty cool. Lots of little little things to just pick up on. but And, yeah, not a lot of action, but I think it was good. Enjoyed reading them. Yeah, I don't think at the time when uh, we saw Seth like write that for him and leave it behind in the prologue, we didn't know that like men don't write, so it didn't come off as unusual to us. And then looking back, it's like, oh, that would look strange, right? Yeah, and I mean, it wouldn't be hard to believe that someone had a secret talent of being able to write something. Yeah, okay, if you're hiding all sorts of things, maybe writing is one of them. But we obviously know different, so yeah. It's going to be sort of fun to see that play out. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I just like how they're like, and if he was really keeping that a secret, it's a shameful, shameful thing for a man to be able to write. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, he's keeping a diary. The contents aren't embarrassing. It's just the fact that he writes it. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't believe it. How could a guy? Yeah. No, interesting chapters. Like Kaladin's little workout session to try and intimidate the others was was kind of funny i think the highlight for me this week was the 
delving into the relationship between Dalinar and Sadius. Just it was interesting to see. Oh, okay. So Sadius is actually we thought he was just a slimy git, but no, he's actually got some principles. And it's like I, I love this dynamic of he and Dalinar hate each other, but they are both sworn to the same thing, so they are going to work in tangent, uh, in mm-hmm. uh, not tangent, in um cohesion with each other. I thought, oh, that's a cool little wrinkle. Like Sadius is looks like he's being set up as a villain of the piece, but he's not just a strap venture kind of villain. He's got a bit more to him. So I, I I really like that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, he he seems at least from Adolin's perspective. Well, no, that's not fair, because he's also in charge of the army that Kaladin's in, and so yeah, he doesn't seem like he's set up. He's being set up to be a nice guy. That's for sure. Yeah, these chapters, uh, you know, kind of echo what everybody else said. I, the Kaladin stuff, you're you kind of are rooting for him. So the fact that it's not going. Super smoothly to start out with, while not surprising, is like a little like, oh man, I wish this was, you know, going better for him. I, what I found a lot more interesting was the Sill, like, becoming self-aware type stuff. Because obviously there's some kind of force setting that in motion, you would have to think. And so I wonder, you know, what that is. And then, yeah, all the Dalinar stuff, good. Again, any perspective that we got from Adeline, I was kind of annoyed, uh, <laughs> once again. But uh, yeah, we, we learned the the reason why the book is called way of kings i guess so that's that's cool uh well maybe not the whole reason but at least like we know that way of kings is a thing in the book mm-hmm. so um so yeah it's uh, good stuff i'm i am definitely excited to read more i feel like only due to the fact that this is probably this book is written in a, like as a longer book i feel like we're not getting enough good meaty chunks in each section like last week was pretty good because you know we got like a whole little bit where like mm-hmm. they're going to the hunt and then they hunt the thing but this one i felt like i you know i got the end and i'm like oh man i want to keep reading so um so yeah i'm excited to be able to continue to read sure sure yeah yeah i, I kind of after i read them i felt the same way i'm just like oh this you want something more especially after you said after the last two chapters were just a nice duo where you got a whole kind of story here it's like oh i want I wanted more, but uh, the next chapter is uh, somewhat lengthy. Would have taken us uh, pretty past our normal max. So uh, you know, what can you do? But yeah, I, you know, I I agree. I think uh, both Jamie and Joe are enjoying Kaladin's uh, story at this point that they mentioned, and so I agree there also that it's it so it feels like something's starting to happen there. He's turning things around, and I want to see more. Uh, okay, well, I guess let's. Move into these chapters. Our first one is called Payday for a good reason. It's because it's the chapter where Kaladin gets paid. Who would have thought? And our our epigraph says, let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. I found a good home for it. I protect its safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. So yeah, that sounds know. like someone's absorbed some power. Some power from from what? Oh, but, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, this it, honestly, it made me think of like Hoyd and Ellen eating the Lorassium and like absorbing it into them. Uh, yeah. So it, that's that's the image I got in my head when I read this. So I'm just like, all right, so someone has whoever, whoever this is writing this has just taken some of the power, whatever it is, and put it into them. Maybe it's a shard blade or something. I don't know, but that, that that's where my head went. I stuck a shard blade in me. It's nice. Shard plate. Yeah. His own oh skin. yeah, yeah. It covers his own skin. That's 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 fair. I I thought you said shard blade. I was like, ouch. Okay. Well, I did, but I meant okay. like you know he he summoned it and then like 
you know that whole that whole thing where you can just summon the blade so it's a part of you sort of thing yeah uh, okay okay that makes sense i mean yeah I, we don't really know much about how but clearly they're they're connected to these blades somehow if they can just make them appear out of thin air yeah so that's a fair point so it's the next morning after we last saw kaladin and he gets up and he starts waking up all the other bridgemen there's uh let's see there's 34 members of bridge four currently so that's 33 guys other than him and he's he's getting them up up, organize, out of the barracks, form ranks. And uh, nobody wants to do that. And so he's like, okay. And he goes over to uh, Moash, who's like a stronger dude. He's an Alethi. And Kaladin needs an example. He can't use one of the skinny guys, like Dunny or Narm. <laughs> That's a guy called Dunny. That poor <laughs> bastard. If you're not familiar with Australian slang, Dunny is another word for toilet. Yeah, nothing, nothing else to be done with that. I'm just going to we're, we're going to leave that and move forward. That is every time I see this guy, I'm going to think, hey, look, it's toilet, dude. <laughs> and so he goes and like pulls Moash up and Moash is like storm off and he pulls his arm back like he's going to hit Kaladin and Kaladin punches him right in the gut where he knows it will wind him. And Moash doubles over and Kaladin just drags his ass outside. By th- well, he throws him over his shoulder and carries him outside, I guess. And uh, that means that uh, he's like, OK, I'll do the same thing to the rest of you. You don't get up. And it turns out that that was. Uh, yeah, that example worked out. Everybody else gets up They're like, OK, OK, yeah, we're going. And Kyle is like, OK, things are going to change around here. First off, no more sleeping in. And a guy named Sigzel, which says that uh, he has dark brown skin and black hair, meaning that he was Makabaki, which is a thing that we've heard before. From southwestern Roshar. Probably he was Azish or Imuli. Whatever those things are. Foreigners were common in bridge crews. Those who didn't fit in often made their way to the creme of an army. So isn't that nice? Then on top of everything else, it's like, yeah, if you're foreign, we just chuck you in the bridge crew. Yeah, between this and a lot of the stuff we learn about Alethi culture in the Dalinar and Adelin chapter, I'm just like, I don't want to be in, like an Alethi. This sounds awful. Yeah, right. It, it it doesn't sound great. I agree. And so what Kaladin tells them is like, I'm your bridge leader, so my job is to keep you alive. I can't do anything about the Parshendi arrows, so I'm going to have to do something about you. We're going to make you stronger so that you can run more quickly and get the bridge in place. And I don't we're not going to lose anybody else. And everyone just kind of stares at him until one guy who says uh, a hefty, thick limbed man bellowed out a laugh. He has deep red hair. And was nearly seven feet tall. The Unkalaki, simply called Horn Eaters by most, were a group of people from the middle of Roshar. He had given his name as Rock the previous night. And this uh, Rock fellow is just like, is crazy man who now thinks to lead us. I just picture like a redheaded Ivan Drago. Right? Yeah. No, I, I kind of have the same thing. If he dies, he dies. Although I think, I, in my mind, this guy is like, you know, as tall as Ivan Drago, but like wider. He's just like, yeah. like a maybe even closer to like Andre the Giant sort of thing. I don't know. Mm. Andre the Drago, huh? <laughs> and they all laugh at him so hard that even some laughter spreads start showing up. And then Moaz is like, hey, Gaz, this guy wants us to like carry around bridges for practice. Do we have to do what he says? And Gaz is like, no, bridge leaders only have authority in the field. And Moaz is like, looks like you can storm off, friend. And they all they all take off. And I like Sill standing there like, well, that, that didn't go so well, huh? And he's like, I'm, 
not, he's not surprised. He's just frustrated because when he had to train guys in the army, they might have been inexperienced, but they weren't like blatantly insubordinate because you could punish them. These guys are already as low as it gets. There's not much punishment that uh, you can dole out to them to make things worse. And so he just switches tacks. He's going to go after Gaz, who tries to hide around the corner to, like, jump him or something. But still, since she can only be seen by who she wants to be seen by, can just go around there and take a look at him and be like, oh, he's hiding. He's crouched down over there. So Kaladin goes around the other way. and He's like, hey, what up? And Gaz is like, I'm not going to lie for you, man. You don't have authority anywhere other than the field. If you hurt me. He's like, no, dude, calm down. I'm just here to get my pay. And so he pulls out the five diamond, or I'm sorry, yeah, five diamond marks. And he gives Kaladin four, and Kaladin's like, nah, give me all five. And then he turns around and he gives Gaz one of them back. And he's like, this is so you don't forget that it comes where it comes from. You aren't keeping part of my pay. I'm giving it to you, okay? And Gaz is a little bit confused by this, but he's like, whatever, I got my money, I guess. And so... Their extra duty today is the evening meal, scrubbing and cleaning, and bridge duties in the afternoon, which means they don't have anything in the morning. And Colin's like, okay, well, I know what I'm going to gonna do. And Gaz is yelling after him, like, you're not going to change anything. Those men are bridge men for a reason. And so Colin goes over to the – we saw them on the way in the, when he first arrived because they were like, oh, man, are we going to be carpenters? But no, they're, they're bridge men. But there's some carpenters right near there. And so he's like, hey, can I borrow one of these like uh, big planks? And the guy's like, borrow? Like, yeah, I'll stay right here in the lumberyard with it. Don't worry about it. And they can't find a reason not to. So like, okay, I guess. And Kaladin starts running up and down with this, carrying this big heavy plank. And he spends the morning, like, tiring himself out doing that. Some of the bridgemen ignore him. Some of them watch him do it. Some of them staring at him in a stunned, hostile way. And he wears himself out, running back and forth, practicing carrying a bridge, basically. And I do like at the end when he goes and puts the wood back, like the bridgeman come over and pick it up. Like, yeah, he like Rockier bet us a few chips each that you'd used a lightweight board to impress us. And they're all very confused by all this, but there's like, OK, yeah, whatever. And then we get the conversation between Kaladin and Syl. Where she's like, look, I, I got to tell you something. This is important to the point that like he closes his eyes and she like gives him a jolt. He says he feels a little jolt of energy on his eyelid. I've decided that I'm glad you kept your word to Gaz, even if he is a disgusting person. I thought you might break your word. I'm glad you didn't. She tells him. He's like, um, all right. Thanks, I guess. And she says, Kaladin, this is important. And she starts talking. She starts explaining to him. It's like, suddenly I know what a lie is. Like a few weeks ago, I had no concept of that. But now I'm happy that you didn't lie. Do you see? You see? Um, <laughs> and so she's changing. And it's concerning her. She's like, I, I know things I didn't know a few days ago. It's really weird. And she even has figured out what happened yesterday. She's like, you were about to kill yourself, weren't you? And then I brought you like a poisonous leaf. Today, I know what death is. Why do I know what death is? And he's, she's like, what is happening to me? What am I? I don't know. Does it even matter? And she's like, well, shouldn't it matter? Like, I don't know what I am either. Bridgman, surgeon, soldier, slave, what, it, it, whatever. They're all labels. Yeah, don't label yourself, Syl. It's fine. She's like, I do think that you're to blame for what's happening to me. Before I met you, I never had to think about death and lying. And he's like, that's how I am, bringing death and lies wherever I go. Me and the Night Watcher, which is an intimidating name, whatever that is. And she she frowns, and he's like, well, that was... She's like, yeah, yeah, that's sarcasm. I know what sarcasm is. And she's kind of happy about that. It says she smiles deviously. 
And Kaladin's thinking, okay, that's ominous. I don't like the look in her eyes now that she's learned this. And so she's scared of what is happening to her, the changes, the becoming something new. But she doesn't want to go back to how she was either, where she didn't know these things. That's doesn't like the idea of that either. So he's like, okay, so you're scared to go onwards, but terrified to go back. I know how you feel. Come on, I need to eat. And there's some things I want to pick up after lunch. So there's there's our Kaladin chapter. Pretty straightforward, but some interesting, as you guys said, some interesting discussion with uh, Syl here. Yeah, not a lot going on, but a little, uh, but a lot going on, you know. <laughs> as our friend Galadon would say on Roshar, understand. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, the second chapter that we did is the decoy, and this one says, "You do not agree with my quest. I understand that so much as it is possible to understand someone with whom I disagree so completely." So we're back out on the Shattered Plains, four hours after the Chasm Fiend attack. Adolin is overseeing the cleanup, and they have decided to wait for some mobile bridges. So last time, like, this area that they're in still has permanent bridges that connect it to other plateaus. So the Chasm Fiend destroyed one of those permanent bridges. They didn't bring any temporary bridges. They weren't planning on going where they would need any. So they got to wait for somebody to come and, you know, bridge that gap. Although it says... There's another bridge off of this plateau, and they could have like gone that way and then circled around a different direction on permanent bridges. But Dalinar figured that it was a good idea to wait and let the wounded be attended to and such. And uh, Sadius, in particular, was not happy that they're just having to sit out here and wait, but whatever, Dalinar's in charge of this expedition. Fifty men dead, twice as many wounded. Many were men Adolin had known, so that's kind of, you know, sad. When the king had been given the initial estimate, he'd brushed aside the deaths, indicating they'd be rewarded for their valor with positions in the heraldic forces above. So he's just like, yeah, whatever. They're, they're, they're dead. Who cares? And Adolin's out here thinking about lots of things, about his dad, about Sadius and the other people who are tearing his dad down all the time. Although, for the moment, they're not talking shit that he's heard because of uh, how impressive Dalinar was. But he's afraid it won't last. Dalinar was heroic, but only infrequently. So he goes to give the final casualty report to the king, knowing he will probably be mocked for it. But it's, it's the job. What are you going to do? And then as Joe points out, Dalinar's out here just looking eastward. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jamie pointed it out, but yeah. I oh, wasn't? Okay, sorry. We, we all talked about directions. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> East, southwest, north. You know, southwest if you're feeling crazy. Oh, man, step back. <laughs> yeah. Right? You don't want to mix them up. <laughs> or like south by southwest or like east. <laughs> you know. So that's, why there's, that's why there's so many books, right? Right. We, we can only cover the basics now, but we'll get into more uh, complex directionality later. Right. Now so it's not just the four. Right. It's just not the. It's not just the four cardinal directions. There's also going to be, like you say, latitude, longitude. You know, verticality. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's why it's the way of kings. We got to figure yeah. out which way. <laughs> yeah. Which way are we going? Yeah. Delinar is actually figured it out, Brandon. <laughs> we figured you out. The symbol, <laughs> symbol on his shield is a weather vane. That's right. For that, you get this riff. Wait, never mind. Wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No, I can't do it. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Le- leave all that in. It's <laughs> really bad. Well, obviously, yeah. Okay, I'm done. Man, for sure, for sure. We get serenaded this this episode. Okay. 
Dalinar is thinking somewhere out there to the east, in the center of the plains, the Parshendi have their base camp. Dalinar is actually the one who suggested the strategy they've been using, where they're basically laying siege to the Parshendi out there in the middle of the plains. Uh, they, they can't get out to the west. I'm sorry. They can't get out further east or south. It's impassable. The plateaus are too weathered. And the Alethi are blocking the west and the north. So the Parshendi are trapped out there in the middle of the plains, and they figure they'll just they'll starve them out and gradually winnow their numbers down by getting into these fights on the the plateaus. Because as he points out, if they just take their whole army out into the middle of this giant shattered plain, one disaster means they're stuck out there with no way back. So not a great possibility. And he thinks it had been a great plan, except Dalinar had not anticipated the gem hearts. Gem hearts. So, I mean, all of their money comes from the chest of a giant creature or all of their large stack of money, I guess. Like, so how do these spheres form other than in giant creatures? Yeah, I, I guess we don't know if, you know, do they mine gems also or are mm-hmm. all gems from the insides of crabs? Who knows? Yeah, it's a, it, you know, if this was the plot of Uncut Gems, I'd be... <laughs> I feel like that would have been a movie I would have seen more than the first 10 minutes of. <laughs> All right. I'm sure this I'm sure that movie is supposed to give you this impression, but like I couldn't watch it because like from the moment it began, I was just filled with anxiety. No, I've I, I haven't seen it. I want to, but I have. I, um, that's one of those. I've got to be in a certain mood for that because everyone I know right? has seen it says this is like if anxiety was made into a movie. Yeah, like literally from the beginning of it, I'm just anxious. And I only I, I said 10 minutes. I probably watched like 20 minutes of it, but I was like, I can't watch any more of this. Hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I want to see it because everyone says it's also like the greatest thing Adam Sandler has ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was very in the 20 minutes I saw he was very good. The, another movie that filled me with anxiety from start to finish was The Fighter with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. Uh, yep, I believe you. I don't know anything about this. Yeah, one of, Con- uh, one of Conan O'Brien's sisters is in that movie. That's the one right. Christian Bale won his Oscar for. Uh, yeah, I think so. And Melissa Leo as well, as I, as I recall. Uh, let's see. Sorry, I lost my spot while we're talking about this. Um, <laughs> you got anxiety. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, so we find out something interesting about how inheriting traits works here, where it's like Adolin has blonde and black hair mixed together. The blonde comes from his mother. So that's a little bit weird. I don't understand how that works. No. So it's like blonde with some black streaks or like is it just like dark blonde hmm. maybe it's like a dalmatian type thing where he's like spotted oh my god i definitely get the impression the way that it says mixed that it's more like some of it is blonde and then some of it is is black but maybe i, I feel like if it was just like a dark blonde or whatever that it would say something like that instead of blonde. yeah that's, that's what i thought as well but i'm just like well what else could it be like unless it's like those those cat patterns where they they got really dark fur but some yellow mixed in with it. Mm. Yeah, or maybe it like comes off. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe it comes off looking like highlights, where it's like you know the roots are one color but the tips are a different color. Could be. Most gem hearts are harvested quite differently from the one that, from how this one had been today. Sometime during the life cycle of the chasm fiend, they sought the western side of the plains where the plateaus were wider, climbed up, made a chrysalis, and waited for the coming mm. of a high storm. So yeah, that confirmed so it says what we most. About last time. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it also says like most. So like again, do all spheres come from these heart gems or mm-hmm. you know, it's just like what? Yeah, what's happening? It's very confusing. <laughs> it's like uh, again, it's like trying to wrap my mind around the fact that like lorasium and adium were were metals, but they were the bodies of these two gods. Like what? <laughs> what? I don't understand. But uh. So while they're in these chrysalises, they just you, you come up, you get some hammers or a shard blade, and you cut out the gem heart, and easy work for a fortune. We find out later it's like one of these big gem hearts could apparently support one of the ten armies for a month or something. So that's a lot. There's there's mysterious spren that hang out around dead great shells that look like the smoke that might come off a candle after being snuffed, which is just such a specific way of putting that. I also like that the scouts cross the chasms with jumping poles so they can move around out here trying to spot uh, chasm fiends pupating. Uh, the good old pole vaulters. Right? The, the pole vault core of your army. Very important. Uh, so the, the gems are worth a lot because for one thing, paying and feeding thousands of troops ain't cheap, but a single gem heart could cover expenses for months. Beyond that, the larger a gemstone was when used by a soul caster, the less likely it was to shatter. So you remember like one of Yasna's when she soul casted that rockway, one of her gems like cracked. Apparently, the bigger the gem, the less likely it is to break when you use it. So a big gemstone can let you soul cast a bunch of stuff. And he knows like we they the high princes could just take turns going after these things, but that's not how they let they do stuff. Competition is doctrine. Voronism taught that the finest warriors would have the holy privilege of joining the heralds after death, fighting to reclaim the tranquiline halls from the void bringers. So. If you're really good, when you die, you get to go and help the heralds fight to take back heaven. Yeah, which sounds like they don't do that anymore. It seems very Klingon to me. Like this, uh, if you die good, then you get to fight more. It wouldn't be my idea of heaven, but whatever. Mm-hmm. What was that other warrior alien race in Farscape called? Oh, the Luxons? Yeah. So they think that they've made good headway cutting down the Parshendi numbers. I think he says that they thinks they've taken out like a fourth of what they the Parshendi started with in these six years. But, you know, that's six years. It could take a lot longer to finish them off. Elokard sent messengers demanding to know why they killed his father, and they never got any answer, which is still just bizarre. It's like, night of the treaty, we're going to kill him, and then we're going to run, and we're not going to say anything. And then Dalinar is thinking about high storms and his visions. He's supposed to unite them. Once again, and then Sadius comes out of a tent or a pavilion and kind of gives Dalinar a nod to indicate, OK, I did my bit. Now you do yours. Apparently they had a reason for inviting High Prince Vama on this hunt in the first place. And Dalinar notes that Adolin is, looks like he's trying to listen in on Sadius's conversation with the king. And he's just like, OK, the boy's personal rivalry with Sadius is understandable, but counterproductive. And so apparently what Sadius is in here doing is just bragging about all the gem hearts he's been winning. So Sadius tells me he's won three gem hearts in the last few weeks alone. And Dalinar, on the other hand, has not won any. Yeah. And even for, like, how they describe the king at this point, I'm like, really, that impresses him? He's <laughs> pressed by gems collecting? I mean, I know it's a lot of money, but I guess to him it translates into victories over the Parshendi, but even so, like, not really. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. It, it does seem like, oh, man, look at look how great this guy is when it's like, I mean, 
it doesn't even make it sound like it. It's Dalinar specifically thinks about it. It's not really that hard a thing. You go out there and the thing is in a pupa and you just cut it open, and get the heart out. I guess it's hard if there's an army of Parshendi in the way. But and the king's like, it's Sadius's bridges. They're way better than yours. You should like copy him and do do it the way he does. And Dalinar says, uh, Your Majesty, Sadius's bridges waste many lives. And Sadius is like, Yeah, but they're fast. Relying on wheeled bridges is foolish, Dalinar. Getting them over this plateau terrain is slow and plodding. And Dalinar says that the codes state a general may not ask a man to do anything he would not do himself. And so he's uh, not interested in running one of these bridges. You don't even let them use armor or shields. And I am so glad this finally got addressed. Yeah, I was about to say, we finally yeah. get an answer to why are they not allowed to use armor or shields. It's like, what the it fuck also is makes, going- Yeah, and it also makes that other guy look way bigger of a jerk. Yeah. Which other guy? Sedeus. Like, he's oh, okay. just like, like, you know, as far as we knew, this was the only way this could be done for some godforsaken reason. And then it's clearly like, oh, no, that's not the only way it can be done. It's just that's the way he prefers because it's cheaper. I don't yeah. know. I'd rather I'd rather them target these guys than my actual fighters. Yeah, he's just like. Yeah, and if they wear armor, they they point the arrows in the other direction. So might as well make them an easy target. They're expendable. Yeah, it's it's way easier to replace a bridge man than a trained soldier. So just the way he says it, the Parshendi just keep firing at the bridgeman. I assume that for whatever reason they think killing bridgeman hurts us. So he's just literally like, yeah, we don't give a shit about them, but the Parchendi are under the mistaken impression that we give a shit, so let them keep killing Bridgman. Our troops will line up and fire directly into their cannons, clogging them with wreckage. Yeah, basically. Wave after wave of my own men at them. Right, men? You suck! <laughs> yep. Key to victory is the element of surprise. Surprise! surprise! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they lose lots of Bridgman, but it's fine. Because uh, they win battles that way. The arrows don't get shot at the soldiers, so everybody's happy, except for, oh. you know, the dying Bridgman. Wait, I got one more. Okay. Uh, like, why is this godforsaken ball of dirt worth dying for? How should I know? You're the ones who are going to be dying. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Sadius is like, I mean, you can't argue with how effective my methods are. And Dalinar says, sometimes the prize is not worth the cost. The means by which we achieve victory are, are as important as the victory itself. And everyone... Is just like staring at Dalinar, not just Sadius, <laughs> but Adolin and Renarin over here, like what? They're like gasping, like <gasps> what did he say? The prize is worth any cost, Bright Lord Dalinar. Winning the competition is worth any effort, any expense. Hmm. We spared no expense. Yeah, exactly. Saw how that yeah. worked out. Yeah, the fact that this is their response to that, and they still call it a competition. This is the point where I'm saying, all right, you all can go to hell. <laughs> no, yeah, that's fair. And then Sadius makes another one of those backhanded comments about uh, how Dalinar is, you know, everything's a contest, Dalinar. You're just failing quite spectacularly at the contest. And now Adolin tries to jump in. He's pissed off. You saw what he did earlier, Sadius, while you were hiding back by the pavilion with your bow. You're a coward. And then Dalinar's like, Adolin, that was going too far. Restrain yourself. And then Sadius, now that he knows that Dalinar uh, is not going to allow anyone to call him on his shit he's like one son who can barely control himself and the other's incompetent this is your legacy and dollar says he's proud of both of his sons and sadius is like well i mean the firebrand i get you were impetuous just like him once but the other one ran out there unarmed didn't even draw his sword or a bow he's useless and then that's another one of those everyone stops for a second moments 
and Adolin puts his hand out like he's going to summon his sword. And Dalinar has, no, I'll handle this. Thaddeus, surely, surely I did not just hear you openly before the king call my son useless. Surely you would not say that, as such an insult would demand that I summon my blade and seek your blood, shatter the vengeance pact, cause the king's two greatest allies to kill one another. Surely you would not have been that foolish. I must have misheard. And Sadius is like, ah, yeah, I mean, probably you just, yeah, you heard me wrong. I wouldn't do something like that. Smarmy little shit. That's an idiot. <laughs> and so Elkar's like, uh, okay, so I guess we're done with that. <laughs> um... But Sadius will not let it drop. He's like, no, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe we're done. But I don't think this conversation is ever going to be done until Dalinar learns how to act like a man again. And Elikar's like, uh, I said, that's enough, Sadius. And here comes a new voice. Quite enough, you say. I believe that a single word from Sadius is quite enough for anyone. And we have the return of wit. I like this guy. Right. Whether, whether or not he is actually Hoyd, as we speculated last time. Like, mm. this guy's cool. I like him. Do we not like Hoyd? Is that? Is that a thing? <laughs> no, I like I, I like Hoyt fine, but I'm saying if this guy turns out to not be Hoyt, I still like him. Oh, if he does it, if he, sorry, the way you said it made it sound like even if he is Hoyt, I I like him. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I, I, I think you misheard. Cause I, I I I knew what he said. Surely, I did not just imply that we don't like Hoyt. <laughs> I mean, if you really love Kelsier, maybe you're not a huge fan of Hoyt. Hoyt kicked his ass. Um, Kelsier I mean, kind of deserved that. You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, Kelsier's all right, but sexy drifter, man. <laughs> and the king's like wit when did you get here i didn't know you were around and he's like oh you know a while ago you've been here for hours what were you what have you been doing how could i have missed seeing you i had Wit's so many like, people i needed you to insult yeah basically right <laughs> wit just says i had things to be about but it's like I bro you work for the king like that's the thing you're about <laughs> your job is literally to insult people he wants you to insult where where were you he says i wouldn't want you to lack for me and the king's like, I've done okay so far. And yet you were still witless, which sounds like he's insulting the king, quite honestly. But maybe he can get away with that. It's okay because it's a pun. Yeah, right. <sighs> and then Wit just goes at Sadius. It's kind of delightful, honestly. You know, he, he makes some uh, some prostitute jokes. <laughs> yeah, that uh, insults and insluts joke. It's like, I did not see that one coming. Uh, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a little clever <laughs> wordplay, I guess. Yeah. Is it clever, though? I mean, yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm just mad I didn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you know that, like, uh, it is wherever, wherever Brandon does his writing, if he does it in an office or, or whatever, he's just sitting there just going, oh, that was a good one. High five me. <laughs> he's like, you know what, Sadius, I'll leave you alone if you can speak and yet say nothing ridiculous. Well, I think that shouldn't be too difficult. And Wit says, and yet you fail. For you said, I think, and I can imagine nothing so ridiculous as the concept of you thinking, what of you, young Prince Renarin? Your father wishes me to leave you alone. Can you speak and yet say nothing ridiculous? And everyone turns to Renarin, and he's like, nothing ridiculous. And Wit's like, yeah, okay, that, that'll do. Touche. <laughs> yeah, we can be friends. That's that's a good answer. <laughs> if Bright Lord Sadius should lose control of himself and finally kill me, perhaps you can be the king's wit in my stead. You seem to have the mind for it. And so Renarin feels better about himself, and Sadius is more annoyed than ever. So everything is worked out. Everybody wins. And so it's like, so come on, Sadius, you're going to do Alcar a favor and rid of us both? So it is legal to kill the king's wit, but by doing so, you forfeit your title and lands. Of course, if you could assassinate a wit without anyone knowing it was you, that was a different story. 
Yeah, so you've really, really got to hate the wit and be prepared to give up everything you know. Or yeah. be super duper stealthy. Yeah. I guess if you're poor, then uh, you can get away with it because you're like, okay, take my title and lands. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Sadius is not willing to give up his title and lands just for the satisfaction of stabbing this dude. And I like Elokar's like, wait, come on, Sadius has my favor. There's no need to torment him. So I disagree. The king's favor may be torment enough for most men, but not him. <laughs> He's just really backhanding the king with like these little slights, but uh, apparently it's fine. No one is safe from the king's wit. Not even the king. Apparently. And so Dalinar is is recons- after seeing what he does for Renarin here. Dalinar's reconsidering a little bit uh, his opinion on the wit. And in the meantime, the king has asked Dalinar to look into something. And he's like, come on, Adolin, come help me look into this thing. So we remember during the battle, the king's saddle girth broke and he fell out of uh, fell off of his horse. And so the king thinks that it was cut, that it was intentionally sabotaged to make him fall off his horse. And so Adolin and Dalinar are looking at it and they're, they're both like, I mean, maybe it was cut. I don't know. I've fucking we're not leather workers what do we know and donner's like i mean i think maybe it the break is smoother on one side as if it were sliced so that it would rip and adolin's like but what's the point of that like a guy falling off horseback is not going to hurt it's not going to hurt a shard bear or somebody in in armor if it was an assassination t- attempt and it was an incompetent one and donner's like well i mean even incompetent assassination attempts are sort of our our, our duty to look into if uh, we're protecting the king so yeah still an attempt man you still gotta look at that yeah. So basically, I think that they, they end up on let's take it to some leather workers and get like opinions of people who actually do know a thing about this. And they're talking about possible people who might be going after the king. Check to see if Royon is still bitter about Wit's insult at the feast last week. I, I like that. It's like one of the high princes is so pissed off about being insulted that he's going to try to kill the king. High Prince Bethab offered the king uh, offered these contracts to the king for the use of his chulls. In the past, he's tried to slip in language that would favor his claim in a succession. He's been very bold ever since your Aunt Navani left. I, I love this, that it's like one of the high princes, here's a contract to use some of my crabs. And also, a th- it has a little codicil that says that I should inherit if you die. Like, what kind of crazy-ass contracts? And Adolin will not let the saddiest thing drop. And Dalinar's like, you have got to stop fixating on him. He likes Elokar, which cannot be said for most of the others. He's one of the few I trust the king's safety to. And when Adolin disagrees, he's like, okay, come on. I'm, I'll show you a thing or two about what we're talking about. Adolin keeps thinking like his dad's so great, but at the same time, he's constantly underestimating him, it seems like. He's like, I know Sadius is bad. Why is my dad trusting him? <laughs> well, maybe he has a reason, dude. So they go to see uh, Vama, and Dalinar makes some not-so-subtle hints about using the uh, the king's soul casters for lumber. Apparently... Providing his soul casters for people to use is like one of the primary ways the king taxes the the high princes because everyone needs soul casters to make food or buildings or what have you. That's what that's one of the things that you realize quickly here is like in this very warlike culture, if you have guys that can just make food with, you know, using emeralds, then supply lines become a thing that you're not having to worry about, which is one of the primary Mm -hmm. things that restrict movement of armies. So it kind of makes a huge difference. And they go to see Sadius after after dropping these hints. And apparently Sadius preempted this discussion by telling him that he was telling Vama that he was going to double the price for the wood that he'd been selling him. Sadius controlled the only large forest in the region. So he's the only one with a ready supply of wood that is not soul cast. And Adolin realizes, oh, these guys invited Vama on the hunt. 
just so they could maneuver him and like do this. But Dalinar's like, maybe we should tell the king about us doing this kind of thing. And Sadis is like, I mean, I've tried. He doesn't have the mind for this kind of thing. Just leave him to leave the boy to his preoccupations. His are the grand ideals of justice, holding the sword high as he rides against his father's enemies. And then Dalinar says that uh, the king's paranoia is starting to worry him. I don't know where he gets it. And Sadis is like, you can't be serious. He gets it from the way that his uncle treats him. A thousand guards halts on every plateau to let soldiers secure the next one. Really? And Dalinar tries to say the codes, and Sadie says the codes are a bunch of idealized nonsense devised by poets to describe the way they think things should have been. Gavilar believed in them, and look where it got him. And where were you, Sadius, while he was fighting for his life? And Sadius is like, we're really going to rehash this again now? I'll protect the boy my way, you do it yours, but don't complain about his paranoia when you insist on wearing your uniform to bed just in case. And then Sadius is like, have you found it yet, why he wrote what he did? You're not going to find the answer. It's a foolish quest. And that Adolin's over here like, what's that about writing that he wrote? Men don't write. What was he talking about? And his dad says, tells him about his brother's final words to him. He said, brother, follow the codes tonight. There's something strange upon the winds. That's what he said to me just before the treaty signing celebration. And he says, uh, those were odd days. Yasna and I weren't sure what to think of the changes in Gavilar. I thought the codes were foolishness, even the one that commanded an officer to avoid strong drink during times of war, especially that one. And uh, it bit him in the ass, not following. Like His brother was like, hey, follow the rules. And he's like, ah, fuck the rules. I'm going to get drunk. And we saw what happened. I blame myself for Gavilar's death, but there's nothing to be done for him now. Do you know Sadius's part in my brother's death? And Adolin's like, yeah, he was the decoy. Like, we saw the decoy escaping. Seth almost went after him. So that was Sadius, dressed as the king, being hustled away by the guards. It was a suicide mission. If, if Seth had gone after him, he would have slaughtered them all. Didn't even have his his shard plate on. I think it was one of the bravest things I've ever known a man to do. But it failed, and part of me can never forgive Sadius for that failure. I know it's irrational, but he should have been there with Gavilar, just like I should have been. I think that's it's entirely possible based on the battle that we saw between Gavilar and Seth that another shard bearer could have made a big difference in that fight. Maybe not, though. Who knows? But obviously someone made the decision that he was going to be the decoy to start with. You can't really blame him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he even says he like, I know it's irrational to blame him, but I can't help it. But yeah, agreed. Probably it was like Gavilar and Sadius are in this room and they hear it coming and they made the decision together. Yeah, that's it. It sounds like they're both incredibly hurt and upset about what happened to him. Yep. That's the only thing they've got binding them at the moment. And they'll blame each other for their their ways and their involvement Mm -hmm. in his death, I guess. Based on this story, I feel like uh, the blame on Dalinar is a little more valid, given that uh, he got so drunk he was on the ground. But, uh, you know, maybe that's just me. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to go, well, you should have been there with him. Well, actually, maybe you should have been there with him <laughs> and not drunk on the floor. Yeah. And it hurts a little more because of the code saying that you should avoid your drink, you know, in the night of battle. Clearly, mm-hmm. his brother was concerned and he went to drink anyway. And now he's kicking himself every day for it. Yep. Uh, yeah, completely understandable. And so he's like, what divides us and unites us is caring for Elokar and trying to keep him alive. Sadius thinks that the best way to protect him is to kill the Parshendi. He drives himself and his men brutally to get to those plateaus and fight. I believe a part of him thinks I'm breaking my vow by not doing the same. But Dalinar thinks that protecting Elokar means stabilizing the throne and getting strong allies to support him so that, you know, the kingdom will last beyond whatever they're doing right now. And so he's basically like, Adolin, look, we're both working to protect the king in our own way. I need you to respect that, even if you don't like Sadius. 
And Adolin's like, okay, fine, I'll watch myself, but I still don't trust him. At least consider the possibility that he's not as committed as you are, that he's playing you. And Dalinar's like, okay, I'll consider it. And then Adolin's like, so what was that about the writing? Oh, yeah. That's a secret that he and I and Yasna and Elokar are the only ones who know. He left. He wrote me a message in his own blood before he died. Gavilar could write? So apparently Sadius is the first one to get to the body, and he finds the thing but hides it. And later they have to have Yasna read it to them because Sadius and Dalinar can't read. So they're like, Yasna, what does this say? It was a shameful secret for him to hide. But as I said, his actions grew odd near the end of his life. The words, you must find the most important words a man can say, is a quote from The Way of Kings, an ancient book. <gasps> the book was used by the Radiance as a kind of guidebook, a book of counsel on how to live their lives. And Aelin's like, oh, the, now it makes sense why he keeps talking about the Radiance after these visions. Like, all of this is tied together. His guilt and the, and what's happening to him. Let's see. Then the king shows up, and Aelin's thinking um, – Women have confided in him that they think the the king is quite handsome. Not as handsome as Adolin, of course, but still, this, this kid. But uh, but the king is married. His wife is back home in Alethkar managing things while they're away. And Dalinar says, like, yes, Dalinar, about the, the strap. And he's like, yeah, we couldn't decide for sure. It looks like maybe it was cut. And Elkar's like, yeah, obviously it was cut. I can see it clearly. I keep telling you someone is trying to kill me. And he's like, well, surely you don't think the Parshendi did this. Like some Parshendi snuck into camp and sliced your saddle girth and left. And we're like, ah, this will get him. And there's a moment where Dalinar and Adolin see that the king is looking at them, possibly with suspicion that they were behind this somehow. But they end the conversation with like, he's like, look into the strap. And he's like, yeah, okay, we're going to. And Adolin's like, did you see? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Well, I'll talk to him about it when he's not so worked up. And we get Dalinar's evaluation of his son. We also find out a little interesting fact about this shard plate is that it will repair itself over time. It could reform even if it was completely shattered. So that's useful in mm. armor. Yeah, I kind of figured something like that was going on with it when they didn't seem super bothered that it was, like, cracking and breaking. Yeah. Also, we have one of Dalinar's bridges, so we see the kind of bridges he uses as opposed to Sadius, which they're big, and they have on wheels, and they're pulled by chulls. So probably slower, uh, considerably slower than Sadius's bridges. The less people die. Yep. We don't know Parshendi culture that well, but if they revere the chasm fiends as gods, like are the chulls like angels or something, maybe they don't want to shoot at the crabs. Yeah, maybe. Could be, yeah. We don't. We really don't know anything about them, except for what we've heard like secondhand at this point. And aside from Seth, everyone we know who we've heard stuff from about the Parshendi hate them, so. Yep, exactly. I want to know more about these people. We get what I think is a cute scene of Dalinar going to like talk to his horse. And he's like, give him some extra food and two crisp melons. And the, the stable guy's like, he won't eat extra food. He never does when we try to give it to him. And he's like, he only eats it when he feels like he deserves it, son. He'll eat it tonight. And then he tells the horse, you eat both of those melons. You deserve it. Eat those melons, damn it. <laughs> and then as they ride off, the king is up front with the first squad of troops. And Wit is up there. And then Sadius is riding way behind where Wit can't get to him. And Dalinar... Uh, there's a lot of like Dalinar thinking about stuff in this chapter, and now he starts thinking about the uh, the Way of Kings, this book that he's been having read to him a lot more than he let on to his kid. He's like memorized entire passages at this point. And there's one about the king talking about uh, like a, a shirtless guy carrying this big rock and no one will help him. Everyone just wants to get out of his way. So the king gets out and helps him. One can ignore a poor shirtless wretch doing such labor, but none ignore a king sharing the load. Perhaps we should switch places more often. If a king is seen to assume the burden of the poorest of men, 
Perhaps there will be those who will help him with his own load, so invisible yet so daunting. Yeah, but it wasn't a rock. It was a rock lobster. <laughs> so it's like from this one example, it seems like kind of a, a parable sort of thing. I think is how I would describe this. Sure. He hasn't been able to figure out the meaning of the quote that Gavilar left, however, so that's unfortunate. And he, the chapter ends with him, like, nodding his thanks to the bridgemen. They were the lowest in the army, and yet they bore the weight of kings. Literally, as they put the bridge in place and the king goes over. And then you guys, I don't know if you guys turned to the next page and saw before the next chapter that we get the Alethi codes of war that have been talked about so frequently. Oh, no. So there are five that are listed here. Readiness, which means you have to be prepared at all times for battle, never drunk on wine, never without your weapon. Inspiration, the officer will wear his uniform while in public and look ready for war to give strength to his troops. Restraint, the officer will refrain from needless duels, arguments, or squabbles with other officers to prevent injury to men who may be needed to command. Leadership, the officer will require require no action of his soldiers that he would not be willing to perform himself. And honor, the officer will not abandon his allies on the field nor seek to profit from the loss of his allies. So there you go. There's the codes that we're talking about. Le- a lot less complicated yep. than I think of when I hear somebody say co- the codes. Yeah. Uh, yeah now it's we can... like a massive book when you say the codes, yeah. like the whole big thing to memorize. But it's really not that bad. Uh, every every time they've mentioned the codes up until now, I just I just imagine Dennis Quaid shouting, a knight is sworn to valor. <laughs> and then, Sean, then the Sean Connery dragon comes and picks him up. As you do. Yeah. Fucking great movie, that. But I like how kind of basic these things are. It's like, uh, you know, have your weapon with you. Don't get drunk when there might be a battle. Don't abandon your allies on the field. It, these, these are things that seem really straightforward to me, but that uh, all these Alethi are like, yeah, those are those are ridiculous. Nobody follows the codes. All right, then. King is above the code. The no codes really the aren't code. asking of that much. Right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, what are these guys doing out here that uh, they're like, ah, we're not following the codes. Are they just maybe they don't refrain from needless duels, arguments and squabbles. They certainly don't seem to do that. Well, they definitely make people do shit that they're not going to do themselves. That's fair. Yep. One hundred percent. Except for Dalina. He, he, he could definitely say, all right, now I want you to go out and you catch that giant lobster claw. Sir, I've already done it. <laughs> yeah, it's your, it's your turn, turn now. <laughs> OK, I'll, I'll show you how it's done one more time. But then you, you got to do it yourself. OK, I like I, I don't think I'd ever noticed before, either on the same page with the codes, like there's uh, there's drawings up on top of men fighting. And like some of them are like, you know, that's perfectly reasonable, like two guys with swords going at it. There's one picture of a guy with a sword who and another guy who seems to be just grabbing the sword blade, which that's not a great plan. And then there's a mm. guy with a sword swinging at another guy. But the other guy appears to be like his legs are crossed and he's floating in the air with his hands up. Uh, so it's like a yogi or something. I don't know what's going on there. An airbender. <laughs> Been in the air, hey? Yeah. Anyway. He's actually trying to surrender. Yeah. I He's like, please don't. Both, both hands up. He's like, hey, no. Can you not? Yeah. No, it turns out that guy sitting down with his hands up is drunk. <laughs> he didn't follow the code. He did not follow the codes. That's why, yeah. He's just super drunk. Okay. Uh, predigments. We got a little more Kaladin, a little more Dalinar this time. Where do you guys think? Where's this all going? What are we doing next? Yeah, I mean, still like, not a not a huge amount to go off, though. I am going to throw out that maybe maybe the bridge crew is bridge four, just because they run the afternoon shift and it feels, well, I think it's afternoon, so maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that works. I think 
when Kaladin gets his crew up to scratch, I think they will at the very least capture the attention of Dalinar, if not Elika, and maybe be maybe switch armies or something. I'm not I'm not even sure if that's a thing that can happen, especially when you're paying off a slave debt. Uh still I she's the wind sprint, but I reckon maybe she's not a sprint. Maybe she started her life like the same sort of way, but she's obviously going on a, a journey that is abnormal and she knows it's abnormal as well. So I guess it's not really a prediction. Kind of is, but yes, she's not a spren. Behaving like a spren, but not a spren. I think it was Dak predicted that Dalinar wouldn't make it out of the book alive. I hope he does, but I feel like it'll come down to maybe Dalinar and Sadius. Like, they're going to have this tension between them, and I feel like really one of them's going to have to continue on for when the king is no longer around. So maybe one of them will, will go and one of them will stay alive. But I don't know which one yet. We'll see how we go. So a whole bunch of, like, kind of non-prediction-y predicaments for me today. <laughs> so so do, do, do you <laughs> think Adolin is, is right that we can't trust Sadius after all? Oh, uh, I think... I don't not trust him at this point. I think they've definitely got unresolved issues between the two of them, obviously mm-hmm. stemming back to the night the king died. We still don't know what's going on with Dalinar's uh, episodes that he's having exactly. So without much information on that, it's it's a bit hard to sort of go into that any further. But, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily distrust him. I don't agree with his viewpoints and how he runs his army and stuff. Mm. But I don't think he's bad. Like, there's conflict, but I don't think he's a bad character. Like, Or, like, the bad guy, rather. I don't okay. like him, but I don't think he's the bad guy. And the fact that they've, you know, for almost six years been able to put aside their disagreements enough to actually work together in the king's best interest, I think, speaks pretty highly, like, it would be nice to see them, I guess, reconcile at some point, but it would it, it would only be to help the king or the kingdom of some some thought. Dalinar's going about uniting them. So exactly who he's uniting, if it's all the, the princedom or what's going on there. In the current, I mean, really the only two sort of princes that we've got that we can see, they don't see eye to eye. So I imagine uniting all of them is going to be quite quite difficult um, yeah it probably would be yeah so i don't really know how that would happen yeah yeah okay that's that's fair i mean they're kind of united because they're all under one king theoretically but dalinar clearly is like that's not enough so yeah more united it does seem like it might be tricky yeah i feel like they're united in the way like westeros was united Ooh. you know at the first option at the first option they get they're all gonna kill each other you know <laughs> yeah so I've only, yeah, I I agree. I think um, I'm going to double down on Dalinar is not going to make it out of this alive and Sadius is going to do it. But I think now that we have this wrinkle of their relationship where they do generally want the best, like I think Sadius will eventually move, move against Dalinar on the basis that Dalinar is no longer fulfilling his end of the bargain and, and looking out for Elikar's best interests. So at least that's how he's going to justify it. So I think, and then... Presumably, Sadius will then take Dalinar's shard blade. But an unexpected wrinkle that'll come out of that is Dalinar's horse. The fact that you know he 
seems to respond well to good people and good masters and think, oh, maybe Kaladin will wind up with this horse. Like, it will just Ooh. refuse to obey anyone else and disappear off, and then Dalinar, uh, Kaladin, will find it, will find the horse out there and just approach it and treat it nice, and this horse will be like, all right, I like you, I'm going to stick with you. That would make sense, yep. No, I'm, I'm behind that. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. So if, if Sadius ends up with Dalinar's blade, I guess... It's it's real obvious uh, who killed Dalinar. If uh, so, it can't be like uh, he's trying to hide what he did or anything. You, would, would the no, king have a problem with this? If like we know there's a formal system in place for duels, yeah, and and stuff. Like I mean, hell, we nearly saw one erupt just in these chapters between Dalinar and Sadius over Sadius's like insulting his son. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that like there'll be another. Like, there could be a legal duel between them. And like everyone's like, oh well, you know, Dalinar's obviously going to win because he has a shard blade, and Sadius doesn't. But Sadius can pull off some little tricks of some kind, and uh, doesn't go that way. Mm, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So here's uh, the official uh, prediction that I'm I'm going to take from this for Dak is that we're going to see a duel between Sadius and Dalinar at some point, and Sadius mm. somehow comes out on top. That's yeah. uh, that, I feel like that that's the most dramatic of the scenes you've predicted. It was really just a preamble because I just wanted to get to the horse thing, but sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean the horse thing. If 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 Brandon didn't hate horses so much as we've previously established, then well, uh, maybe maybe this is where like he says, oh, you know, I've been I've been mean to horses. Maybe now I can get, I can you know mm. give the horses some because I did see some get knocked away last time in the Chasm Fiend attack. We didn't hear about horse casualties from Adeline. We only heard about people casualties. It's true. Yeah. Are there many books that talk about horse casualties though? <laughs> just as as part of the Brandon's normal dirt. process. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, I uh, I yeah I don't know that I have enough information for for the Kaladin portion, but I'm going to predict that he will start to make headway with this uh, with this issue here of of trying to get these people you know enthused about staying alive uh, and being and being good bridge workers. Yeah, we don't need BGs right now. That's okay. <laughs> And uh, then we got uh, Syl. Yeah, I I think I agree with Jamie. I don't know that maybe she's not the kind of Spren that either she's trans. If, I don't know if Spren can change another Spren, but maybe she's not a wind Spren, or maybe she's transferring from a wind Spren into something else. But yeah, I don't know. She's transitioning, sure, yeah. Sure, could be, could be. And then the stuff on the other side with Dalinar and all them. I uh, I actually have a, a pretty wild prediction. It's probably not true, but, okay. you know, Ritterin seems very timid, very humble. Maybe he's trying to kill Elhokar. Ooh, that w- secret bad guy. This is our first secret bad yeah. guy prediction. Okay. Secret, well, I mean, if you want to call Sadeus not secret, because, you know, Dax's been saying that Sadeus is bad. Well, I mean, you know, he's Kaladin's dickhead boss, so. Yeah. From Kaladin's perspective, he's pretty bad guy, but yeah, no. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Fair so point. we got, uh, yeah, we got uh, Ritterin, who's kind of off everybody's radar. He's like, ah, he's useless. Well, what if the useless guys decided that he wants to uh, to help uh, help his family ascend to the throne, and maybe himself even? So he's he's uh, he's decided he's gonna subtly off the king in some way. Hmm. But then when his dad like gets in danger from protecting Elokar. He's like, whoa, I got to save my dad. I got to run out there. And so, you know, maybe he even has like resentment in them having to protect Elhokar 
So yeah, that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for it. Why not? You know what? That that's really interesting. We don't actually know anything about the like uh, the order of uh, what of what do you call it? the succession order right now for the throne. Right. You know that that, that yeah. one high prince is trying to sneak language into the contract saying that he should get it. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, I don't know how that how that would work. It's like, I don't know that I didn't know it could be negotiated who's going to take over the throne. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because uh, if it's if it's like a male line thing, then assuming we don't know if Elkar has a son or not. But so Dalinar might be next in line. Yeah. If, well, you know, if it can't be like Yasna or something. I was about to say, I don't know who's older, Yasna or, El- or Dalinar. I would guess Dalinar, but I don't know. I guess, yeah, he, like, she's his niece, but I guess technically, yeah, he, he, she could have been born. Yeah, we don't know. That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, Yasna's his niece? Yeah, Yasna is Elokar's sister. Oh, for some reason in my brain, I thought Dalinar was was Yasna's brother. No. Okay. Gav- Gavilar was her dad. and uh, Got it. Yeah. So okay, no, this is this is interesting. I like, uh, yeah. A Sadius aside, I think that this is a very solid secret bad guy prediction because it's it it does seem like it's often the the one that you aren't supposed to take much notice of, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's um let's move into a different thing. We have two new patrons. So get your patronizing. That doesn't sound right. Uh, get get your your fairing list ready, Joe. Yeah. Okay, I've got it ready. This uh, this one, one of them I forgot to do in the last episode, so sorry for uh, the delay, but the first one is Dalton. 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 I've heard that name before. You know what, Dalton? You strike me as an archivist. You store those memories just like our, our good buddy Sazed was known for. Yeah. The other one is, uh, oh, and I'm sorry, Dalton was at the, uh, Dalton was at the misting level, and then we have Ooh. a second one at the misting level, Aurelia. Aurelia. Aurelia, let's see. You can store connection. That's become more important to us recently. Yeah. Thank you for uh, our, our new patrons. You guys are awesome. If anyone's interested in checking out the Patreon, it's right now it's mostly uh, me reading The Sunlit Man and posting my reactions. Although I just opened the Stormlight box last night uh, from the Year of Sanderson, so that video is going to be going up. Probably will be up by the time this episode comes out. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing, check that out. Uh, in addition to that, we have some emails that I left from the last record that we can hit now. So let me bring those up. The first one is from Amanda Truth Watcher is the, uh, the signature. SOS is in the subject line. It says, hey, Data, I am far behind, still trying to catch up on your podcast. I only recently, maybe last year, started listening to podcasts, even though I've been a huge Sanderson fan since the time I first read The Final Empire in 2015. In 2020, when Rhythm of War came out, I got a huge spoiler the second date was released because I wanted to remind myself of the shards and vessels that we already knew. I went to the Copper Mind and saw a big spoiler. It was probably the worst spoiler in the book, but now I'm glad that happened. I posted a warning to everyone else in the Stormlight Archive group on Facebook, and in doing so, met my very good friend who lives near Agra in India. She'd already finished the book, and so we started talking. My husband and I went to India in January to see her face-to-face, and we had an amazing time. All this to say that she is the one who recommended your podcast to me, and I'm so glad she did. You guys are so much fun to listen to, and everyone has already told you you do an amazing job. Now, finally, the reason I'm writing in, I'm on your third podcast of Shadows of Self. I'm going to copy and paste a few messages I sent to my above-mentioned friend because contrary to the book of an email I'm writing, I don't actually like typing much. 
So here's some quotes that she's uh, sending as she's reading. I have one more episode of Alloy of Law. I don't want to get to Shadows of Self. I've read it four, at least four times. It hurts so badly every time. I want to know what these people think, but crying emoji, crying emoji, crying emoji. And then, oh, my friend, they just mentioned Bluebell ice cream. It is the best ice cream ever. If you ever come to the U.S., we must go somewhere you can try it. And this is a sidebar, LOL. I'm from Houston, this Houston area, but live in Denver and the West Coast for the last six years. Bluebell is what I miss most from Texas. It's the best ice cream in the country, after all. So. I'd have to agree. I, I enjoy it. I half gallon of Bluebell cookies and cream is my wife's favorite. And, you know, I don't mind it, so we eat it. I like strawberry. Um, continuing. Okay, so as I said, I'm on the third episode, and every time I hear the song you chose, it makes me tear up. The lyrics are perfect. I can feel Wax's pain acutely every time I listen to the song. LOL, I met Brandon for the Skyward release in Denver, and I told him something like, You're, you storming genius. I have read Shadows of Self at least three times, and it hurts so rusting much every time. And he replied, sorry, not sorry. Uh, anyway, I didn't want to harp on about this to my friends, so I thought I would tell you. Thanks for your podcast. Oh, she's caught up, and I asked her what song you were using for Way of Kings, uh, and she told me I think that's a good choice. Thanks again. Keep up the good work, Amanda Truthwatcher. Yeah, I, I don't listen to our show a lot, so I don't even remember what song you picked. The song is, it's the, the Ghosts of Tsushima song. Um, oh, okay. It's when called, Honor Dies. Yeah, When Honor Dies. Thank you. I was like, it's a it's a chapter of the book. What was it called? Yeah, okay. Ah, I got it. It's a That's really cool. really good song. Yeah, it's pretty good. The parts that I picked for the song on the show are not my favorite parts of that song, but I felt they were the most thematically appropriate, so... Ah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Well, that's cool also that, like, somebody in India listening to us suggested us to someone in the United States. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Listeners out there, y'all are cool. Thanks. Keep keep the word flowing. We do have quite a diverse listener base globally. Yeah, no joke. Well, yeah, I mean, I think our listener base is diverse based on the diversity of people who enjoy fans. Brandon Sanderson, yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. I, I, I don't think anyone's listening to our show that isn't already a fan of Brandon <laughs> Sanderson. No, that. Yeah, I mean, maybe my, uh, maybe you know, maybe somebody I know, but I doubt they're listening through all of this just because of that. Yeah, we're just riding his coattails. It's all good. People who mm-hmm. just like never read a Brandon's book, never going to read a Brandon book, but I'll listen to all. What are we up to? 170 odd episodes of this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Now, now I'm, I'm pulling up the stats again for October. Oh no, not the stats. Oh, jeez. What have we done? The U.S. was 59.7% of our viewership. Oh, okay. That's actually, you know, not a, a giant chunk. I mean, com- considering. Canada is 8.3. Then the U.K. is 6.6. Australia, 3.6. Germany, 3.3. And then India, 2.6. The Philippines, Portugal, Netherlands, Ireland, South Africa. That's the order of uh, most people listening. And then we've got one from several countries at the bottom of the list, including Egypt, Fiji, Georgia, Vietnam, Tanzania. Hmm. Hey, if you're out there, thanks for listening. Uh, I, hey. I, I do like that Puerto Rico gets its own section here. It's got two. Oh, that is nice. I wonder if the Fiji one was like my phone automatically downloading it while we were in Fiji. <laughs> that uh, yeah, could, could be. Yeah, could have been. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know. You guys had a listener right in your midst, and you didn't even yeah. know. It. Yeah, possibly. They're I, like, I, you know, the you, <laughs> Jamie walks up to somebody uh, at a restaurant, and they're like, "Wait, you're the Jamie <laughs> from the Sanderlands? <laughs> Wait, that voice? Yeah. <laughs> no. Nope. If you were in Fiji at the start of October, 
<laughs> Let us know. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I, I'm looking at the uh, the Australia specific stats now, just because I'm curious. So it's like 44% from New South Wales, and then uh, almost 16% from Queensland, then Tasmania, then Victoria, then Western Australia, and then 2.8% from Australia Capital Territory. Five whole downloads from South Australia and zero from the Northern Territory. That tracks. Up your game, Northern Territory. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not that you can hear me because none yeah. of you are listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's been the statistics portion of the show. We all know that Joe it's loves that. It's just an exact calculation. <laughs> and he's doing he's doing the Conan O'Brien nerd voice, which I I love the videos where Conan plays the video games and just rags on the dude for being such a video game nerd. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is hitting me a little close to home. I have to say. So, yeah. Too bad his show is no longer on the air. Yeah. Although there was Joe was talking the other day about how like people can't name the presidents, and it was like. He was making fun yeah. of the guy because the guy knew where every character of uh, Super Smash Brothers was from. He's like, oh, yeah, that's Marth from Fire Emblem or whatever. It's like, who was the second president of the United States? He's like, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. No, no. Uh, <laughs> good times. Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president. There, there, there's our president hour. He's the, he's, he's, he's the 16th president of Adenalsium. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you're right. Holy cow. Uh, okay, our next email is from Mr. Suit, who has written in before. Sander Lange Wait, crew. The Mr. Suit? Yeah, the. Spoilers? I thought he so, did. We, we read it. He got blown up and everything. Not too dead to do this. It's about the spoiler discussion that we had on the show. He says, I've had some stuff spoiled for me on the podcast. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it's actually kind of true. I have read a sum total of zero of the short non-Cosmere stories that Brandon has written. They were on my list to read eventually, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Now, I've been a long-time listener, and I knew that they were coming since the title of the episode directly referenced the name of the story in question. That's to my point – yeah, right. I like I look at the podcast like this. I'm listening to a documentary that chronicles the journey of a few folks through a universe I enjoy. Y'all are taking a holistic approach to the Cosmere that is, a very, that is very different from how I started, even though I've read most of the books four to five times except White Sand because meh. The crew still makes connections that I haven't because by virtue of the way you are approaching it. Please don't change the way you do things. Podcast is the highlight of my week. Thanks for being so committed to bringing us listeners' quality content. P.S. for Joe. Fuck spook. P.S. for Dak and Jamie. Sander Baby in the background is adorable. Wasn't to the time of next. Colo. P.S. Vasher from Mr. Suit. And then P.S. for Data Only. There was a slip-up a few weeks ago where you accidentally named Sill. Phenomenal recovery. Thanks for being the genesis of this whole idea. Since I figured I could read that since I mentioned on the show. <laughs> yeah, last week I accidentally said that. Yeah, we remember. Ah, I thought, yeah. I, I thought he was going to say, for, for Joe, fuck Spook. For Jamie, fuck Orianne. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, man, your sentiment uh, is is so well received that we made a button about it. So, Yep, a button that af after concerns raised uh, will not be sold by us. Yeah, well, it's not our fault that Brandon picks a name that could be construed in a different way. <laughs> it's it's freaking it's the world's fault. That's what it, that's whose fault it is for. Yeah, being racist. It's also freaking partially jerks. Brandon's fault. That's, uh, the last email is from Krista, and it's is a short one. Hello again. Currently playing catch up with the podcast and just made it stormlight. Can't wait to hear reactions. Love the song that you chose for this book from Krista. So thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, all. Yeah, for the first time in several weeks, we have now gone through all the emails that we had. So there you go. Oh, my God. Wow. 
of course, uh, we recorded the, the, these last two back to back. So by the time that uh, you hear this, uh, we oh, really have we, several more emails. We, we nearly got through all t- like both episodes without bringing that up. Now you just chat. Yeah, you're. Uh, were we supposed to avoid yeah, bringing you're that up? The illusion. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> now leave that. Leave that shit in, man. It's like we're not missing one, so we should be okay. Yeah. Not yet. Come holidays, we're gonna be missing some. That, that's why yeah. we're trying to get more. This is, what, this is what we call the insurance episode. Yeah, hopefully. Unlike last time, we tried to do an insurance episode where it's like it was just it, it seemed to like curse us and we missed like three in a row or something. So. Yeah, well, sickness. What can you yeah. do? Yep. Shit so, happens. Thank you, everyone who emailed us. If you want to send us an email, the ad- the address is thesandralanch at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and I almost said Twitter and X. It's the same. Uh, Facebook, Instagram. I already talked about the Patreon, what's going up on the Patreon, so check that out if you want to do that. Music by Miracle of Sound, throw that in there. Uh, for the next time, we are going to read two more chapters. So that should be chapters 16 and 17. The, the titles, uh, maybe I should start reading the titles. The titles of 16 is Cocoons, and then 17 is A Bloody Red Sunset. So, yeah, cool titles. Uh, oh, let's I'm gonna do our words, Brandon, of the week. I'm going to try to remember to do this until I don't again. Okay, I don't think I've read this one yet, and it's fairly straightforward. So uh, the questioner asked Brandon, someone wanted to know if there are dinosaurs in the Cosmere. And Brandon says, are there dinosaurs in the Cosmere? There are dinosaur-esque things, so sure. Really? Where? Oh, Six of the Dusk, disregard. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that, but that's a good point. I was just like, where are the dinosaurs going to come now? You're gonna have the the fans clamoring for dinosaur erotica again, but uh, no, no, maybe, maybe you're right. No, I guess where the dinosaurs are. Don't want to read about dinosaur dong. Not into it. <laughs> you you just watch. There's gonna be like a whole dinosaur planet. Hey, that's fine. As long dinosaurs. as there's no as long as there's no sex, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. No, I just meant that it's it's not just gonna be on the sixth of the dusk planet that we see them. Dinosaur planet, all about. Don't need to get into the love life. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Keep that shit to yourselves, guys. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, Syrian Susapron was enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so yeah, there's our Brandon, our word of Brandon of the week. Thanks, everybody. Um, remember, two chapters for next time. And wasn't to the time of next. Colo? P.S. Fasher. Crabs ahoy! <laughs> <laughs>